1208, Jeff Weck, WTMJ. I hate days like this. I hate days like yesterday. Another one of these just inexplainable situations that really, you know, everybody has different theories as to why this type of thing happens and what, if anything, can be done to stop it. And we have these conversations, and unfortunately, these things continue to happen. And I don't know that anybody has any real ideas, but just a horrible story. I mean, 17 people killed yesterday in the school shooting, um, 15 other people injured, including some that might be facing life-threatening injuries. It's just horrible. We're going to be talking about all aspects of that in just a minute. But I want to start off today's program by doubling back on something we talked about yesterday. There is a trial that just got underway yesterday in downtown Milwaukee. It is the trial of a now 28-year-old woman. Her name is Devon Kramer. She is a Brown Deer police officer. And this is a case that has lots of people in the law enforcement community just simply scratching their heads over the decision made by the district attorney. In my opinion, and I've said this before, District Attorney John Chisholm has made some very bizarre charging and not charging decisions over the years. And uh, I, I know people that worked for him um, who, who would agree with that. Um, Kramer is a Brown Deer police officer. If you haven't been following this, that this what ended up happening goes back to 2016. Um, there is a 350-pound man on a Milwaukee County bus who is acting up. The guy's gotten onto the bus. He's gotten into an argument with the bus driver. He is cursing at the bus driver, cursing at other passengers. And the bus driver, feeling, I guess, you know, disturbed or whatever, flags down two Brown Deer police officers. So flags down the Brown Deer police officers. Long story short, we went into all the details yesterday. These two police officers get on the bus to see what's going on. You have this man, very large man, extremely agitated, cursing at the bus driver, cursing at the officers. They try to calm him down. That does not work. They tell him he's going to be arrested. If he doesn't stop, he doesn't stop. They try to escort him off the bus, at which point in time an altercation breaks out. And the guy, Again, the guy's 350 pounds. The female police officer who is on trial is about a third of that. And there's a struggle. The guy who is 350 pounds gets into a struggle with the two officers. All three of them end up on the ground. He is resisting arrest. I believe that's what the evidence is going to show. At one point in time, the officer, the female police officer, um, she's trying to get his left arm behind his back, and that's not happening. She begins to fear for her life. She pulls out her service revolver. She shoots him once. He, he doesn't die, but he's injured. She shoots him once in the part of the struggle. The district attorney's office has decided to issue criminal charges against the officer. And the prosecution is presenting its case now. You could go broke trying to figure out what a jury is going to do. But as I said yesterday, I will be surprised. I will be stunned if 12 people agree beyond a reasonable doubt that this officer committed a crime. So but we we will see here. Here's during our conversation yesterday, though, we had one caller who identified himself as Carl from Brown Deer, who called up and said that he was on the bus before this incident occurred. He didn't see the shooting, but he was on the incident when the victim of the shooting was on the bus. And he described the, the behavior that he observed to the point that he, he said he felt unsafe. He had to get, he got off the bus early. Um, 
Carl from Brown Deer, if you happen to be listening or if people knew who Carl from Brown Deer is and you feel like it, I, give us a call. It's 799-1620. I'm not going to put you on the air, but uh, we want to talk to you. So they had one of the callers that described that. And again, whenever people call in and say things, I try to decide whether I think they're you know making things up or believing them. I, I thought it was kind of believable. But Carl from Brown Deer, if you're listening, um, 414-799-1620, just call. My producer has a question for you. We're going to continue to monitor that particular case. But again, I um, if it turns out like I believe it is probably going to turn out, which is people unable to agree beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime was committed, and this has nothing, has nothing to do with the inevitable civil lawsuit that will be filed, um, I think if it works out that way, it's going to be another thing where the district attorney is going to have some more explaining to do. Could be completely wrong, though. This woman could end up getting convicted. But if you think you want to be a police officer, just imagine this situation. You get this call. You get flagged down. You get on this bus. You try to deal with somebody who is clearly being profane and agitated and resisting arrest and not cooperating. And one thing leads to another and things get escalated. And then you find yourself on trial charged with a felony. So, Carl from Brown Deer, if uh, you are listening, you can give us a call. We have a question for you. All right, when we come back, three big things, and unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I hate talking about these things, unfortunately, all of our three big things center on this horrible story out of Florida that broke yesterday afternoon. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jackson Brown is on, is on his 2018 acoustic tour, and he's making a stop in Milwaukee this summer. He's going to be performing at the Riverside Theater on Saturday night, June 16th. I've said this before. I saw Jackson Brown at the – I've seen him several times in concert, but I saw him at the Riverside about two years ago outstanding show. I'm not kidding. It was just tremendous, and uh, that is a great venue for Jackson Brown, and Jackson Brown Acoustic is tremendous. Keep listening to my program today and tomorrow for your shot at winning a pair of tickets to the show sometime between now and 3 o'clock. I'll be giving away a pair of tickets, and then we will do it, of course, again tomorrow. All right. Big story. Number one, of course, is the horrific shooting situation that happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School yesterday afternoon. I think everybody knows the story by now. Actually, this high school kind of reminds me of, of of my high school in the 70s. I went to Nicolay High School in Glendale, which was a, a large high school at the time. We had, I think, uh, the class size is down dramatically from when I went, but there were several thousand people that went to the school. It was a sprawling high school um, that were really a series of different wings and buildings and things like that. Sprawling high school um, in a in a good area with you know high academic um, standards. Well, that that's what this Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School is. S- several thousand people go to this high school. A huge campus, multiple buildings, a very, very good high school in a very, very good neighborhood. Apparently, it's one of the um, you know that it's one of the attractions. One of the reasons people move into this particular area is that you, you want to go to the high school. The shooter we now know is a 19-year-old uh, Nicholas Cruz. He had been a problem for a while. He was expelled last year. What had happened is um, he was adopted 
early on. His adoptive father passed away. His adopted mother passed away in November. He had been expelled from the high school as a result of various things that he had done. He was apparently taking adult education classes. He was living at the home of a friend of his whose family had taken him in after his mother passed away um, because he apparently had nowhere to, to go. The family knew he was a gun enthusiast. The story is that they knew he had this rifle. I don't know if it's the same rifle he used in the shooting or not, but he had a rifle. They let him move into the house with a rifle, but the rule was it had to be kept, you know, locked up in a, in a gun safe, a gun cage case. Um, so he was living with, again, his friend and his friend's parents. He was taking adult education courses. Uh, yesterday morning, apparently the, the father said, "Hey, are, are you going to you're going to school today?" And he said, "I don't go to school on Valentine's Day." So they, you know, they let him go. Um, yesterday afternoon, about well, one forty our time, two forty Florida time, he went back to the high school where he had been expelled from last year. Walked in the doors with a weapon pulled a fire alarm and then i think the reason he pulled the fire alarm was he wanted to get people like running and they did and i think the rest is history he began systematically shooting people 17 dead right now 15 wounded and the concern is that a couple of those people who are wounded might still die as a result of their injuries um unlike some shooters who plan to go out in a blaze of glory he he didn't he, um, after the shooting subsided, he tried to sneak out. Um, he tried to sneak out um, pretending to be a student. He was ultimately apprehended. He's going to be making his first court appearance this afternoon. He's charged with 17 counts of first-degree uh, first homicide, you know, premeditated murder, and there will be other charges that come out as well. Now, horrific situation. Um, kids terrorized, people dead, people injured. Um, children's fellow students killed, uh, teachers killed. There, there's, there's no, no, no silver lining to this terrible cloud. But now we are having some of the inevitable conversations that we had a couple months ago after the shooting in Las Vegas. Shootings that we, you know, the, the same conversation in some respects that we had after Sandy Hook and after the shooting in the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, going all the way back to Columbine. I've been doing this radio show long enough to, to remember that. Uh, horrible, horrible situation, and a lot of people, again, asking the same questions that we ask. All right, so let's get started, and let's let's kind of cut through all the other stuff and go to what really is the bottom line. You can, you can talk about various types of gun control, but at least in my opinion, that's never going to stop this type of action you can say well we need it more to make it more difficult for somebody to get this type of right this type of firearm or or that type of firearm but i I don't know that i think that's the answer this kid had an ar-15 and that's one of the weapons of choice in these things but at the same time this wasn't an automatic weapon it was a a rifle if you didn't let him have the ar-15 could have had a handgun um, you know, a lot of the different types of gun control measures that we talk about really are kind of dancing on the edges. So let us tee this up. Is this situation the one that should call for us finally, once and for all, to look at repealing the Second Amendment and simply banning private ownership of firearms? 
414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or maybe banning the private ownership of, of rifles. I mean, because, the, again, the, the, the truth is, the truth is, as long as somebody is going to be able to legally get access to a firearm, you are always going to be able to have the potential that something like this could occur. That's just flat out the reality. Now, maybe if they didn't have the AR-15 and they had to have a handgun, you'd have fewer people that were shot. But you'd still have people that were shot. It seems to me that the only way you maybe stop something like this from happening or make it less likely to happen is just go ahead and say we're going to ban firearms. All right, is that the point that we are now at in 2018? Because when you hear some people take to the floor of the Senate and talk about gun control, that's what they're really talking about in their heart of hearts. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we look at banning firearms or banning certain types of firearms? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1223. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Mark and Sheboygan. Mark, you're first. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, my main question is, why do they continue to sell military-style weapons to the citizens of this country? I guess, you know, I've been writing articles against gun laws for years now to senators, newspapers. For many years I've been doing this, and I've gotten nowhere. But I'm just dumbfounded by this continuing to happen in these schools and wherever else, these shootings. I mean, you can't use these type of weapons for hunting or anything like that. Uh, you know, the right to bear arms law was meant for to protect the citizens of this country, founded here many years ago by our forefathers. I mean, that was the whole reason, the right to bear arms. I mean, I don't understand this, why they continue to sell this type of weapon or any type of weapon on the market, especially them type of military weapons. Okay, well, well, when you say any type of weapon, would you be, for example, um, would you be in favor of banning the sale of handguns where you have um, a, a clip in them that contains like nine shots in that clip? Do you think people should be able to buy that? I just think the the, the law enforcement should be carrying that. I know a lot of countries, hmm. you know, they don't even have officers in that that you know can even carry even sidearms even. So your answer to my question, Mark, would be that you don't think private citizens should, in your heart of hearts, you don't think private citizens should be able to own guns? I don't know if I want to go that far, because people like to hunt in that. And I know, you know, but it's it's gotten out of hand. I mean, it's just way too far. I don't know about that. I know people like to hunt, you know, they mm-hmm. do it for a sport. You know, that's a, I think that's a totally different situation that we're talking about here. It's selling these military-style weapons to the public. I mean, it's just—it's gotten crazy. What? What can you use something like that for? Okay. Well, I think, mean, well, I mean, think, well, I mean, okay. See, that, what I was, was what I was getting hung up on is the, the phrase "military-style weapon," and I mean, people do hunt with military-style weapons. Um, the difference is, I mean, the big difference, and again. We're, we're, we're not talking about automatic weapons here. We're not talking about an AR-15 that's been modified to shoot as a machine gun. We're talking about, you know, a, a rifle, but it does have one of those clips that has multiple bullets in it, so you can fire a lot of shots really fast. But, of course, that's the same thing, and that's what I was asking. A lot of people, you know, have handguns that do the, the same thing. You've got clips that contain I, – I okay, I, I own a handgun. It's got a clip in it. The clip, uh, I think, you know, you can 
can have up to nine shots in it. So theoretically, you could have multiple clips. Now, I understand that a lot of these crimes occur with the AR-15s, but, you know, if we're going to take off the AR-15s, should we take off the handguns with the multiple clips? I mean, is that where we're at at this point in time? Twelve thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Just one game left for the Bucks before they head off to their All Star break, and it is this evening at the Bradley Center versus Denver. Ted and Dennis will have our Buckshots pregame coverage starting at six forty this evening here on WTMJ. We're talking about the latest shooting incident, just an absolutely horrible one. An AR fifteen was used. Now, just let, let me just kind of go back and let's talk about the AR fifteen, which happens to be. The gun of choice in a lot of these mass shooting situations, the AR-15, is a civilian model of the military M-16. It is legal for people to own it um, as long as it's not converted to fire in an automatic fashion. Why do people like it? Well, the NRA, this is the NRA, they say that there's over 8 million AR-15s that are in people's hands nowadays. It is the most popular rifle in America. Um, this is the NRA saying the AR-15 is soared in popularity because it is customizable, adaptable, reliable, and accurate. Um, it can be used in sport hunting, hunting, and self-defense situations. It's accurate, it's lightweight, it's easy to use as opposed to other guns. There's actually, you know, other rifles that are out there that can be much more deadly, but the AR-15 is the one that ends up getting used in a lot of these. number of firearms experts say they think part of the reason why the AR-15 ends up being the gun of choice in some of these mass shooting situations is that there's a copycat effect. You know, people say, oh, I saw that there was an AR-15 used in, you know, this particular shooting, so I'm going to get one as well. So I guess the question is, do do we, you know, and you can talk about banning the AR-15, but there's all sorts of other types of firearms that do the same thing. Um, do you ban handguns where there's a clip where you can essentially shoot as quickly as you can pull the trigger? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first of all, no, we're not going to get rid of the Second Amendment. Uh, we, we can't even get rid of a bomb stock uh, after the uh, right uh, shooting Las Vegas, yeah, happened in Las Vegas. We can't even decide on dealing with that. So, 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 I'm not going to talk about heavy lifting and trying to get away the Second Amendment. But the fact is, we can ban the AR-15 and guns of, of, of that ilk, and we also can also uh, effective get rid of guns with uh, get rid of those clips. Clips uh, with with um, uh, uh, multiple ammunitions in it. It, it, it. It's certain things that we can do in this country that that doesn't take the guns guns out of people's hands. The the, the, the fact is, we just don't have the will at this particular point. We I guess we're just satisfied. Well, hey, well every every every, every year we're going to have multiple shootings, and we're just going to have to accept it in this country. Okay, well, Vince, let me ask you a couple questions. Um, all right, first of all. There are about 8 million of these AR-15 rifles in in, in private hands now. Um, would we confiscate those guns? No. I, I think what you should do is then have them registered. The individuals who have those guns register those guns. The fact is, get rid of the clips, to get rid of the multiple clips that 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 uh, are available for these guns. Okay, I was saying earlier, I, I have a hand. I don't have a rifle, but I, I have a handgun. Um, the handgun 
it's a pistol and it has a clip that contains I, I think it's I think I could shoot nine. I think it's a I think it's nine. There's bigger. The one the one I have is, is nine. Do you think that people who own handguns, for example, that have those those clips and again you you can fire as quickly as you can pull the trigger. Right. Um, should you be able to own a handgun with a clip like that? I, I, I think you can own the handgun, but I'm saying the point is you shouldn't have that clip that could have, that could shoot off nine rounds, or you, you should you should be able to register individuals going buying these clips. If you walk into the gun gun store and you say I want nine clips, I want nine of these mm-hmm. clips, then you go to another gun store and say I want nine of these clips. I think there should be a red flag. I think somewhere there should be in the, in the system that there that, that that your name should come up and say, hey, this guy is buying all these multiple clips. And there must be, you know, there must be, and we need to, we need to look at this guy. Okay, so let, let's let's play this out. And again, I'm, I'm I'm don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just I'm trying to work through this because I'm I'm as frustrated as you are that these the shootings keep occurring. All right, so let's let's say that in my my older age, I, I decide I, I really want to be a, become a firearms enthusiast. So I decide that I want to I want to purchase a whole bunch of clips. I'm gonna I, I want. I want to go buy a bunch of different handguns, and I want to buy a bunch of different clips. So I, I do go over the course of a year, and I, I buy 30 or 40 clips. Um, that gets reported to ATF or whatever. Mm-hmm. What then happens? Do, do that? Do I'm not should I not be allowed to buy it, or, or what happens? What, what happens is I, I think the fact is that the, uh, the FDA should come talk to you. I think okay. they should come find out, saying, "Well, why are you buying the, all these multiple clips?" And I think there probably should be a limit on it. You can't. You just can't <clears throat> buy a multiple multiple clips over over a certain period of time. Okay. Because the fact is we have to we have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start anywhere, we just we just lying down and saying, we this this is just gonna happen. Uh, year after year we're gonna have multiple multiple killings in this country and this we this is this is just part of our culture. We might as well just say that. Because okay. we're actually not gonna do anything. Okay, no f- fair enough. And I mean I see I, I try to I, I'm I'm frustrated too. I mean I, I try to play this out because see I don't think anything that Vincent's talking about works <laughs> I, I mean because and, and that's i mean ultimately and unless you're going to figure out a way to get firearms out of the hands of of individuals and i, I just don't know how you do that and, and even if we're just talking about okay we're going to ban the ar-15 okay eight million in private hands i mean how how are you going to get those out of people's private hands and if the idea is well i mean th- these guns are designed that that's Unlike revolvers, and I'm not a gun expert. Okay, so you got the revolver where, you know, you put the different bullets in, you pull the trigger, and it revolves, and, and you can get six shots or whatever that is. You know, the, the way many of these guns are designed is that, you know, you, you've got the clips, so you can fire multiple shots without having to reload. And that's, you know, 8 million AR-15s, but, you know, all these different handguns, the pistols and the things like that. Well, all right, how are you going to get those out of people's hands? Is that really the way we do it? And I guess one of the things I was asking Vincent is, okay, let, let's play this out. Let's say that I, I do go out and I'm no criminal record, you know, no history of mental health treatment, and I decide for whatever reasons I want to buy a whole bunch of clips. All right, so I get read the ATF gets something. Oh, Jeff Wagner just went out and bought like 50 clips or has bought 50 clips clips over the year they come to talk to me and they say well why do you want the clips and i say i'm I, i'm a hunting i'm a, a firearms enthusiast i want them all right well what what are you going to do then i mean i guess that's the problem all right the the person says why well, i just i want them okay where do you go from there um 414-799-1620 let's talk to uh let's see let's go to glenn in milwaukee glenn you're on wtmj hello good morning hi glenn so 
my couple of thoughts are it, you're not going to fix any of this if you don't do one or two things. You know, look at more people with their medical history and mental issues, mm-hmm. and then comes into schools with security. Because if you can't keep them safe, it doesn't matter who it is. And you can ban anything you want. Cocaine, heroin, other drugs are illegal. Kids, adults, parents are dying all over the world from illegal drugs that you're not supposed to have. But yet, everybody gets them. Ban whatever you want. If you really want it, you're going to find a way to get it, and you're going to do the bad things you want to do with it. It doesn't matter. Well, and as a practical matter, I mean, I don't want to get immigration into this, but I'm the guy that says if there's 11 million people illegally in this country, the reality is we don't have the resources to deport them all. We we just don't. you got to pick and choose. That same thing is true if you You've got 8 million AR-15s, and that, that's just 8 million AR-15s. And we're not talking about all the other firearms that are out there that have clips. You're never going to get them out of the hands of private individuals. So it seems to me you have to do something different. And to that extent, Glenn, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that, one of the things I think that you really need to do is give law enforcement more authority when somebody sees something and says something to perhaps whistle these in. This kid was an absolute train wreck. Nobody at all is surprised that he did this. All these people who knew him said, no, this, this kid was out there, and no, we're not surprised. To which my question is, how was he allowed to be roaming the streets in a position to do this? Exactly. Yeah, no, thank, thanks. For, I mean, so that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I would start with, which is giving law, and I, I, I understand that in this country, we, we don't prosecute people for crimes until they actually commit the crimes. But at the same time, I mean, this, this kid, this, I'm saying kid, this 19 year old, everybody that they talk about said, well, yeah, if there was somebody that was going to be this, he actually even talked about this. He posted things about how he was going to be a school shooter. And he was apparently on the FBI's radar screen and nobody did anything about it. That's where I would start which is giving law enforcement more authority to lock up people who end up, you know, making these various threats or acting out in bizarre fashions that indicate that they could, in fact, be the next school shooter. All right, we continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As you just heard, Jackson Brown is on his 2018 acoustic tour. He's making a stop in Milwaukee this summer. He is going to be at the Riverside Theater on Saturday night, June 16th. He puts on a great show, and I saw him at the Riverside a couple years back. It was great. Keep listening to my program today during the 2 o'clock hour and sometime tomorrow between noon and 3 for your shot at winning a pair of tickets to the show. If I sound frustrated, it's it's because I, I am. And and you can't look at what happened yesterday in light of what happened in Las Vegas a couple months ago, in light of what's happened seemingly on on an with an alarming regular basis, without having this incredible frustration. And we have these conversations. It's the time to ban guns, things like that. And and here, here's my my fundamental problem. I don't see how that is practical. You know, people will say, well, you shouldn't be able to have these military-style weapons. And, and the operative term is military-style, which means like an AR-15, it, it's, it's a rifle. Now, it's got a clip, so you can pull, you can fire, you know, as fast as you can pull the trigger. But that's no different than uh, many, 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 many handguns that are out there as as well, that you can fire as fast as you pull the trigger. So I guess the problem becomes are, we're really talking about 
I don't know, banning most types of firearms. Then as a practical matter, there's 8 million AR-15s in private hands across this country. Now, statistically, out of 8 million, yes, that appears to be the gun of choice for the handful of lunatics who are involved in these shootings. But at the same time, explain to me how you get... 8 million people to give up their firearms. And, of course, that's just going to be the law-abiding citizens. That's not going to be the bad guys. I just... I, I don't I think that is a simplistic type of answer to that. I look at what happened yesterday and uh, again I understand people want to blame the gun. I'm looking at at this guy and all these signs were here you had somebody who was clearly a psycho and clearly somebody who was capable of doing this. How how did we not get him off the streets? Before this happened, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Clint in Bayview. Clint, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I agree with you, and your business has, it's just not feasible to be talking about banning guns and confiscating guns uh, out of the hands of everyday Americans. I think, and especially in this situation, um, the focus, like you said, needs to be on giving law enforcement and our, our FBI, the resources that they need to get these people before they do this. And, and according to the news reports, I mean, this kid made a comment online, and they didn't have the, the, the FBI or whoever investigated didn't have enough resources to, yeah. find, to figure out who it was. It's like, is that the world we're living in where Russia and China can hack in or anybody, you know, can hack into our election or whatever system they want to get to, but our own FBI can't figure out who left the comment on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a problem. Well, well it, and, it, and it's a big problem. Yeah, no, it is. No, thanks for calling. It, it, it is, Clint. And that's, and again, I. I I, I understand. I don't, by the way, I don't think the Second Amendment is absolute. I mean, I, I think that's why we, we say, you know, average citizens can't own bazookas or average citizens, you know, can't get a machine gun unless you go through a special sort of licensing thing. I'm open for reasonable firearm control, but at the same time, I, I don't. I think we need to have stuff that's practical. And, you know, we're not starting over. This isn't 1776. We're here in 2018. Um, there are an enormous number of firearms out there. And let's face it, you know, of those 8 million AR-15s that are in private hands, you know, 7,995,000 are probably being used appropriately. All right, so so that's it. So the question becomes, all right, do you try to get – the firearms out of the hands of the 7.999 million people who use them responsibly, or do we try to focus on, okay, that, that one subset of crazy that's out there, do we need more to identify them? Do we need to give law enforcement additional resources to get them? And do we need to change the way maybe we look at mental health issues in this country? So if you've got some disaffected loser who's on the Internet at the age of 18 talking about how he aspires to be a school shooter, maybe we need to do something with him. 1253, we're going to continue this conversation. we got great calls, and it's, it's just it's frustrating to me, and I know it's frustrating to you because regardless of where you are in the gun issue, people of goodwill need to come together and recognize that this type of stuff has to stop, but we need to have an honest conversation about how we do it. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm well. I'm frustrated. 
<laughs> I just, I, I'm I, frustrated too. Yeah, yeah. I am. The, the shooting thing is very frustrating to everyone, but I think we're concentrating on the wrong thing. We're concentrating on the delivery method of what happened instead of concentrating on what happened. Um, and, and who and who caused it to happen? Right, exactly. The, 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 you know, and I'm so sick of hearing if you see something, say something, uh, because that has happened in, in my son's school where he saw there was a kid acting weird. He was just, he's a weird kid. And he was acting weird in the locker rooms, in the shower area. And he went to the guidance counselor and, and told him about this kid and said, he's, he's acting weird. You know, this is what he's doing. He's just not acting right. So mm-hmm. the guidance counselor said, okay, uh, you know, let me think about this. Well, did they talk to that kid or anything? No. The next day, my kid got called back in and said, maybe you should uh, take a class here on how to deal with kids who aren't the same as Right, right. I- so, exactly. Yes, you're, you're, you're should, you need to work because you're being too judgmental, deciding right. who are you to say that this kid was acting weird. Yeah. So Right. So my son said to me, I'll never say anything again because now I'm a marked person and they think there, there's something wrong with me that I have to learn how to get along with everybody. So I don't even want to hear that see something, say something crap mm-hmm. because kids get, they get, they get uh, labeled for that then. The other thing is, is concentrating on the delivery method is the wrong thing because as you see in the terrorist attacks, they'll find a different way to cause harm. When I've been at my kid's school picking him up after school, there's hundreds of kids standing on the sidewalk waiting for a bus where if you drove a truck into them could probably have done much more than 17 deaths, you know, if you plowed right. a truck into them at high speed. So they'll find some way. Yeah, which um, is why you have to concentrate on them. No, thanks for Bob. I'm sorry, I'm up against the clock. I apologize. Um, we're going to, by the way, carry this over. Jam phone lines. As a matter of fact, one open phone line. Bob drops off because I, I understand we are all frustrated about this. But I understand and it's what by focusing on the delivery effort. I mean, yes, you, you look at this psycho. And you say, okay, let's imagine a world where there, there weren't firearms. Let, let's imagine a world where he couldn't get access to the AR-15. All right, well, then th- this guy, he's going to go make pipe bombs or, or whatever, and he's going to show up. All right, we continue the conversation. Uh, please hold on. It's 1259. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let me just double back on something we started the program with. Yesterday, in the 12 o'clock hour of the show, we talked about this trial that just started of a Brown Deer police officer in Milwaukee County Circuit Court who was accused of a 15-year felony. What happened was she got into a struggle with a 350-pound man who was refusing to leave the bus. And now, again, I, I... I've told you repeatedly what I think about the DA's decision to bring charges against this police officer, and the answer is is not much. We had a caller during the first hour of the program who identified himself as Carl from Brown Deer, who said that he was on the bus that day and actually before the incident occurred, but um, described what he saw. Um, if if Carl from Brown Deer um, or anybody knows him is listening, if you could just just call us, we have actually jammed phone lines on this issue right now. But if you could call call us, um, we we have a question that we would like to ask you. So um, Carl from Brown Deer called the show yesterday. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I was just talking to somebody in the hallway. I I hate doing shows on today days like today because I've been doing this long enough to understand the frustration that we all have. 
horrible situation in Florida yesterday. 17 people dead, 15 people wounded. A couple of those people might still die. You have a, a guy who showed all the signs of being a school shooter. Nobody is saying, gee, we couldn't believe it was him. In fact, everybody is saying, yeah, this is this guy who apparently has gone on, had gone on websites and talked about how he aspired to be a, a school shooter, and he did, in fact, act out. And and we have these conversations and we're all frustrated. I understand some people want to ban firearms, particularly like the AR-15, which is a civilian version of the military M-16. When you talk about that, just so you understand, there are about 8 million AR-15s in private hands in this country right now. And 7.999 whatever million of those are, are used for, for hunting or used for shooting or used for self-defense or, or whatever. It's a handful of the crazy people that use them. Um, if you don't like the AR-15s because, hey, they've got the, they've got the clips and the magazines and people always say, oh, you're confusing the two of them. All right. People understand what I'm talking about, that they can fire multiple shots. Well, all right. You know, many, most people that have pistols, um, as opposed to revolvers, you've got a, you've got, you know, a clip which you insert into the magazine, which then allows you to fire multiple shots without having to reload. All right. If, if you take away the AR-15s, do you also have to take away the, the pistols? And and I, my point is, I just don't think that's practical here. I also get frustrated when, you know, we, we find out that, again, this is this was a predictable thing, and we weren't able to get this guy off the street. Now, here's one of, we're getting swamped with text, but here's one. Typical right-wing response. Blame the police. Blame the mental health system. Blame the shooter, but never the weapon. Pathetic. Well, okay, here's the, the problem. Um, if, if the FBI had identified this guy, if the mental health system had been able to get involved and, you know, give this guy treatment, um, blame the shooter. Sure, I'm going to blame the shooter. Uh, then, then you don't have to deal with the, the mechanism, the delivery device. Huh. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Gary in Sussex. Gary, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Gary. Uh, I got a couple comments. Sure. First of all, um, I have an SR9C, so. Ruger hand pistol, uh, and it's a semi-automatic and holds 15 rounds right. in the magazine. Um, if I wanted to go out there and do something like that, I could carry many, many more bullets with me uh, than sure. I could with my AR. And I do have an AR, and I have probably five or six magazines, and, and I, sh- I shoot them. Let, let me ask you this, Gary, because there's, there's sure. pe- why, why do you own an AR-15? Because I, I will tell you, I have a ton of text saying, why should any private person, what what reason is there for anyone to have an AR-15? Well, the reason I bought it was because when Barack Obama was president, I thought that they were going to ban it. So okay. I went out and bought one before they could ban it. So, you know, you want to know why there's 8 million of these out there? It's because Barack Obama was president, I assume, because that's why I bought mine. It's, and I also belong to a, a gun club. And I go out there and I shoot this thing. And I love shooting it. It's a fun gun to shoot. It doesn't kick. Right. Uh, it's, it's easy it's to fun. shoot. It's easy and it's, it's accurate. Right. It's yeah. easy to clean. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. To, the, 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 you know, it's a, mm-hmm. I, I own quite a few weapons. Now, the other point that I was going to make is, uh, we're having a referendum out in Sussex about building an intermediate school for it would be for seventh and eighth grade because we're growing so fast out here, and uh, they're going to ask us about you know it's going to cost millions of dollars. Are you willing to raise your taxes? And all my kids, I'm a grandpa, and all the kids are out of school, so I, I'm I'm for that. You know, I kids do good schools, but 
you know, if they would tack on something that cost me, what, $50 a year to go out and hire uh, an armed guard that mm-hmm. could walk through the schools that these would not be no longer soft targets for these crazy kids going out there. Yeah. I, I there's, who, who would say that they're not willing to spend an extra $50 a year on their taxes to hire somebody? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody would say that they don't want that. Of course they would want that. These kids would not go into these schools if they knew that they would get shot right away by some armed guard. Armed, armed guard. This is a soft target. We need to do something about that. Yeah, I'm also a little bit unclear, and I, I guess because I've been, I've been looking at some of the, the other bigger issues, but th- this school, I get the sense this school wasn't locked down. I get the sense that this guy just walked into the school and, and pulled a fire alarm, which is... I, again, if that's the case, a little bit unusual because most places, most many schools are in fact locked down. You can only go through. There's only like one entrance you can go through, and you have to be buzzed in and all that type of stuff. Uh, and he did this at like one thirty in the afternoon our time. So I, I, I do wonder how he was able to just walk in. I don't know. My my daughter's a teacher at one of the private schools in town here, and you cannot get in there. You have to get it's, everything is locked up. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to be buzzed in. There's a little camera out there, and they're not going to let you in. You know? yeah. And as far as using an AR, that's a large gun. Yes, you can take the stock and you can push it back a little bit. You know, It goes back about six inches. But a handgun is a lot easier to get into a school with the, all the magazines. So I, I'm not sure why the AR is used. Um, but well, I think there's a lot of co- a lot of people think it's the copycat effect. You know that that these guys they, they see that okay, this is what they used in this shooting, so they they get that one. I, now, thanks for call. I mean, I get, and I'm 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 trying to have a realistic conversation uh, about this as to what we we can do. And, and until somebody comes and explains to me how you can, if it's true that there's eight million AR-15s that are out in private hands across this country, how how are you going to get them? I mean, seriously. And then if you're going to say, okay, it's because it's got they've got the the magazines and you can fire multiple shots. Well, okay, what what do you do about the the pistol? What do you do about the the, the handgun that so many people have? How how do you deal with that type of situation? And and it just seems to me that approaching it from that end is kind of a fool's errand. Maybe what we need to do is approach it from the other end, especially when you have guys like the guy yesterday, whom everybody understood was a walking time bomb, and nobody did anything uh, about it. Let's talk to Debbie in Sussex. Hi, Debbie. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad I'm piggybacking the other guy from Sussex, because my feeling is pretty much the same as his. I think, um, and yes, the schools are locked down, but at any given time, you could have a kid that comes and opens the door for somebody. Mm-hmm. It, but my thought is, is get rid of those little signs that say no weapons allowed, because you are telling anyone wanting to come in there that anybody in there is a sitting duck, because nobody's got a weapon. And allow staff to carry an carry a weapon if they want to, not make them do it, but if they want to. And I know my kids would feel much, told me they would feel safer if they knew their teacher had a weapon, not even tell the kids who's got weapons. Let me ask you this. Besides that, let's put the teachers aside for a minute. Would you, as a taxpayer, support having armed security guards in in the schools? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, In Sussex, they have a police liaison in the high school with, right. a, with a weapon. I would, I would, you know, but I would say if you, 
you have, say, eight teachers or whatever, or any teacher that wants it, has a weapon, mm-hmm. that whoever comes in isn't going to know. Right. And they may think twice about doing it or try it, and you'd have a lot less fatalities because those those little signs say, hey, yeah, we're yeah. all sitting ducks. Yeah, no, thank, thanks, Nicole. Well, I, I mean, it is... I mean, and again, this is one of these things where hindsight is twenty twenty. You always, you do say, and I, people will be asking this question as more details emerge about this, is that if if there were someone with a firearm, um, let's say a trained security guard, let's say that police liaison or whatever, who was able to confront the shooter, might might the carnage have been less? And I guess you, you never know those type of things for sure. But, I mean, I do think it is fair to say, have we gotten to this point where you do need the extra security? Now, the problem is it, it's it's difficult to figure that out. I mean, like I say, th- this school sounds kind of like the high school I went to, Nicolet High School in Glendale, where you've got a million different doors. You've got people coming and going all the time, and it's difficult to funnel, you, you might say, okay, all visitors have to register in the lobby. Well, that, that's great, but what happens when, what happens when, you know, some kid goes out a door or whatever and the other guy comes in? I, you know, it's just, there's no easy answer to this. We continue the conversation next. A lot of great calls. It's 119. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 122, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I have a text. Ron says that there was an armed security guard in the building, but it's it's this large, that the school is this large spread out building and that the shooter was in a different wing or something like that and the armed security person couldn't get there. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I, I didn't see one way or the other, but it is, this was a huge school. Um, like I say, very similar to, I think, the high school that I went to. Um, okay, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jim and Grafton. Jim, good afternoon. Thanks for waiting. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, as I told your screener, yeah, yeah, Second Amendment, yeah, it's got to go. Um, I'm in favor of the abolition of all uh, guns of any shape, size uh, that we currently have in our society. Okay, so let let's talk about... Then the, the reality you have, and we'll just use the AR-15s. So you have eight million of those. There's probably, I, gosh, I don't know off the top of my head, 30, 40, 50 million people who are firearms owners. What, what would you do? Would you require them to turn in their firearms? Or face a $100,000 per firearm fine. If you would use your gun in commission of a crime, it would be life imprisonment. And if you discharge your weapon in commission of a crime, it would be uh, instant death penalty. Wow. Wow. What about the people who just decide, hey, I, I wanna, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hunter. Um, would you allow hunting? No, go find, go amuse yourself uh, with something else. Okay, uh, so, so, no, so no hunting weapons at all. Okay. For many years now that collectively we cannot handle guns in our society sorry okay all right no thanks i i i i i'm i don't think that that's a practical or a realistic type of of situation and i guess when we say we can't handle guns in our society the the truth is we, we look i understand yesterday is horrible and i'm not minimizing at all but at the same time you have to have perspective on on this the overwhelming majority, the 99.99999% of people who own firearms are responsible firearm owners. Then you've got the mentally ill, then you've got the psychotics, and then you've got the criminal class. So I guess 
Just like when I talk about immigration, I say, all right, if we've got 11 million people in this country illegally, we recognize we can't deport them all. Why don't we focus on whatever percentage of those 11 million are the people that are causing the real problems? That That's what I would say as well with guns. As, as a practical matter, you're, you're you know, you're, 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 we do not have the police resources to go door to door saying, all right, we, we want your firearms. And if you don't give us your firearms, we're going to fine you $100,000, to which you say, I'm not paying $100,000. Then, of course, what what does the government end up doing? It's just, you know, I, you can't turn back the clock. You can't unring this particular bell when it comes to private ownership of firearms, even if you could somehow repeal the, the Second Amendment. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Brianna in Milwaukee. Brianna, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Brianna. What do you think? Um, I think you make a really good point about, you know, you can't go back in time. You can't go back and take all of these guns that have been handed out. I think it needs to start with um, a conversation about mental illness because that is the theme of 99% of these mass shootings that have happened in America. I think there needs to be... Um, the conversation about mental illness and that stigma about mental illness needs to be taken away um, because these people who are suffering from mental illnesses, they need to be seen and they're taking, you know, they're taking advantage of loose gun laws and they're using it as a way to be seen. Um, So I think starting this conversation of mental illness is the first step. And then going into those gun laws, and finding a solution together. You know, what do you do with somebody who has a mental illness but wants to own a gun? Right. I think compromise between the two of those needs to be found. You know, right. And, see, and, I, and, I, and I think law enforcement and the, the, the justice system needs more flexibility in dealing with people who clearly have personality disorders or are borderline mentally ill, who are making threatening statements and things like that. You can't just ignore it. You you need more ability to grab people and get them off the street and at least get them in and find out, you know, are are these people really the type of people who should have guns? Yes, exactly. Yeah, thank, thanks for your call. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. It's 127. 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so here's the story on BuzzFeed. In September, a YouTube user named Nicholas Cruz, same name as the person involved in the school shooting yesterday, left a comment on a video stating, I'm going to be a professional school shooter. The video's creator alerted both the FBI and YouTube. Last fall, a Mississippi bail bondsman and frequent YouTube vlogger noticed an alarming comment. Um... 36-year-old Ben Benite um, alerted the FBI, emailing a screenshot of the comment to the Bureau's tips account. So Nicholas Cruz says, I'm going to be a professional school shooter. So this 36-year-old guy sees something, he says something, he calls the FBI. He also flags the comment to YouTube, which removed it from the video. Agents with the Bureau's Mississippi field office got back to him immediately, he said, and conducted an in-person interview the following day on September 25th. They came to my office the next morning and asked me if I knew anything about the person. I said I didn't. They took a copy of the screenshot, and that was the last I heard from them. FBI agents contacted him again Wednesday after the guy opened fire, killing at least 17 people. Okay, here's my comment to the FBI agents. Come, you know, okay, 
The guy sees something, he says something, and you throw up your hands, and it's it's not like, it isn't even like this comment was from some anonymous user. It's from this psycho who, you know, using his own name. Do you think that somebody should have been able to kind of follow up and say, okay, who is this guy, and let's run him through a system, and oh, we find that he's been expelled from this particular school uh, because of the way he's acted, and we find that he's associated with, you know, all these extremist hate organizations, and gee, let's look at his social media presence, and here he's got all these guns and stuff, and he's on some posting now saying he wants to be a school shooter. Okay, maybe that should have been a red flag for somebody to get involved. But the FBI either did nothing or couldn't find the guy or whatever. What is that all about? Let's talk to Eric and Beaver Dam. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. How you doing? I'm I'm frustrated, but thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, other than that, I'm well. Thank you. As am I. As am I. I, I think uh, it's not a cure all, but as far as for for schools, you know, when I travel, I have I'm I'm one of the trusted travelers. I think coming into the school, there could be a system some similar to that where. You know you have kids just like this who had been on social media saying these things. That's going to flag him, and he's going to have to go through extra scrutiny to get mm-hmm. in. And, and this may not be the perfect example because he didn't even go to that school at that right. time. Which, but, right, but so, he'd been expelled from the school. He, he, he should not have been on campus. I mean, I, I, my, I think right. it's pretty simple. If you've been thrown out of the school because of your behavior, you shouldn't be allowed to come back onto the school grounds, period. <laughs> Right. And and like I was saying, you know, you have kids that, you know, you don't really need to worry anything about. They can just come right in where you have the the other uh, people who would be flagged. They're going to need to go through extra screening just to get into school, even if they go to that school. You know, they need to be checked and they could be a, an issue. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's interesting. A couple of days ago, I was talking about this horrible traffic accident up in um Outagamie County, they have an open lunch period, and like four kids from Kokana High School, um, you know, leave leave, and they they're driving around, and they blow through a red light, get hit by a pickup truck, and they're they're seriously injured. You you just wonder if in today's day and age, now we've just got to have closed campuses. And this, you know, once you get there, you're there. Um, all the doors are locked. You can't come and go. That's so different from the way it was when I went to high school. But maybe that's what you have to do nowadays, just to. I mean, make it less accessible for the crazies. I, I agree. I think just it's going to be more of a security issue, not a banning of one type of anything. Because it wants, just just like overseas, when in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, you take away one thing, they're going to move to another. Um, yeah. No, th- thanks for calling that. And again, I that's that's for the for the people who say, okay, we'll get rid of the AR-15s. All right. Then, then I say, well, what? What, what is the logical extension? Do you then get rid of pistols? And you know, we had one caller a while back who said, yeah, I just don't think people should be able to privately own guns, to which I said, well, even if you repeal the Second Amendment, all right, we're, we're going to confiscate the guns. What do you do with all the people who don't turn them in? It, it's just, it's frustrating, and I wish I had answers, and I honestly don't. Eric in Germantown. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Eric. Um, you know the answer to this question that I'm going to ask you because you're a recovering lawyer. Okay. How hard is it to get somebody committed against their will these days? Almost impossible. And unless exactly. unless you can demonstrate that they are 
a danger to themselves or to others. But it's almost impossible to do that until they've actually acted out. <laughs> you know that. But of course, then once they act out, we all say, "Well, of course, we saw that coming." Sure. And and the thing is, this this is something that's been a very, very long time coming. Because we've gone from one angle of the pendulum to now to the far side. Years ago, it was very easy to have somebody committed. Right. I mean, you needed how many? You put it three signatures, a couple from a doctor, something like that, and you could you could have somebody locked away into an institution. Yeah. Now, it, when it, a few years after that, all of a sudden, you know, it swung it swung to the middle where you had people from people saying, "Well, now you're this is against their civil liberties. You right. can't medicate these people. You can't do this. You can't do that." Suddenly, now. We have no place to put people who have these mental illnesses. We have no way to stop them. Right. We we have no we have no way. We can we can sit there and say, okay, we're going to get them into treatment. Okay, fine. Say we got this this kid into treatment. We got him on a we got him on a drug regimen. This that and the other thing. Then we send him on his merry way and tell him, okay, now. Don't forget, you've got to keep taking your pills every day. Right, and if he doesn't, yeah. Now, thanks for call. You're, you're right. It, it, it's, it is that frustration, and, and you're right. The pendulum has swung too far in the, the one direction. But, I mean, this, this is this is the frustration. This was not a surprise. It, and I do think I, I do think law enforcement has some explaining to do if, in fact, like last year, you have this guy who sees this, reports it, and the FBI isn't able to find this kid. Why wasn't there some degree of contact? Because now his social media presence, everybody says and are describing is extremely troubling. You know, some people, I'm, I'm getting some texts saying, what, what about the parents? Do they have some responsibility? I, again, th- this, this young man was adopted. His adopted father died when he was young. His adopted mother passed away in November. He had been thrown out of school. He had nowhere to go. He was living with his friend's family. They kind of took him in out of the goodness of their heart. So I, I was watching their lawyer. I think I was watching Good Morning America today, and their lawyer was on. And these, I mean, of course, they, these people feel horrible. I mean, it, but it's it's like they took this this obviously troubled kid in to give him a place to to stay. And now you know they're getting all this attention focused on on them. Their son was apparently interviewed by the FBI last night and then then released. I mean, he had nothing to do with this all. Um, so I mean, here you have a, a child kid now mass murderer who clearly comes from a troubled and disturbed background but there were all those signs that were there and yet we didn't act which does make you wonder about see something say something okay i i I do want to switch gears a couple more thoughts on this and in the two o'clock hour we're going to do some other stuff not related to the shooting at all but before that chelsea handler oh chelsea handler is she was just in appleton the other day chelsea handler says if you voted for our, for Donald Trump or you voted for Republicans, you have blood on your hands. Huh. I'll tell you all about that in just a minute. Stick around. It's 144. 147. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Bob Uecker, back on your radio. Check out the Cruise Spring Training broadcast schedule in the Brewer section of WTMJ.com. You can also text the word Brewers to 414-799-1620. Pitchers and Catchers Report. 
Opening day is coming up. They open in San Diego this year. They open opening day is um, Thursday, March 29th. They open in San Diego. Now, far be it from me to make fun of the Lords of Baseball and the people that make the schedule. But, all right, spring around a good portion of this country is iffy. It's cold. It's rainy. I remember when we still had County Stadium, you'd have these days where it would snow. Um, on opening day. So now let's see. The Brewers have the benefit of this thing at Miller Park that, what do they call it? Oh, yes, it's a retractable roof, right? So why you have a team that has plays in a, a stadium that has a retractable roof, why you would have them open in San Diego, California, um, is, is just absolutely beyond me. You would think that the Brewers would open at home and San Diego would open at home, and maybe they'd be playing against teams that, I don't know, like didn't have retractable roofs or things like that. But that's that maybe makes a little bit too much sense. But in any event, the Brewers are in San Diego on that Thursday. Then they come home for the opening day extravaganza, and we'll be bringing that to you. Opening day is always one of my very, very favorite days, and I know we're going to have some great broadcast stuff leading up to leading up to uh, the home opener. And it's been my pleasure to be a part of our home opening day thing for years and years. And I think I'm going to get to do that again this year. So that should be just an awful lot of fun. All right. Um, I just, um, we could go on for, for another three hours talking about all the different ramifications of the shooting yesterday, but frankly, it's just too darn depressing and I just don't want to do that. But, but what frustrates me as well as the fact that we can't come up with any answers to figure out definitively how we can stop things like yesterday from happening is the fact that you have these idiots, idiots and opportunists that are out there that before the bodies are even removed from the crime scene, they decide that they want to go out and try to exploit this for whatever their purpose is. Or you have these political activists who decide that they want to play to their particular crowd and they want to say whatever they can say in an effort to try to get attention or to whip up their particular mob. Chelsea Handler, ultimate, she, she's this left-wing kind of semi-comedian who used to have a used to have a cable show and then she lost that cable show and now she's making the rounds as a political commentator. She was in Appleton. And I, I'm told the audience was like every left-wing kook from Appleton that, you know, if you if you took all the lo- the loose marbles and kind of shook them, they showed up to see Chelsea Handler that night, as well as I'm sure some decent people, um, moderate people as well, but told that there was a lot of kooks in the audience. All right, so here's this. This is Chelsea Handler. Just two hours after the 19-year-old opened fire on Florida High School, killing at least 17, comedian Chelsea Handler, took to Twitter to capitalize on the tragic incident and blame Republicans, saying that they have blood on their hands. We have to elect candidates that are not funded by the NRA in November. We have an opportunity to elect candidates who won't allow kids to go to school and get shot. It's disgusting how many times this has happened, and Republicans do nothing. You all have blood on your hands. Well, okay, as somebody who has voted for Republican candidates most of my life, I don't feel I have blood on my hands. Matter of fact, 
I mean, while, as we've been talking about for the course of the last couple hours, there's this wide discussion as to what goes on. I would think that a lot of, say, the civil libertarians like Chelsea Handler, who have made it more difficult to take these antisocial, mentally ill psychopaths and get them off the streets to try to get them some of the treatment that they obviously need before they're in an opportunity to shoot people. Maybe they're the ones that end up having blood on their hands. Just saying. I mean, it's just the people that are out there willing to exploit tragedies like this, especially before, like I say, before the body count is even confirmed, are absolutely and totally appalling, and that would fit into the description of Chelsea Handler. Republicans have blood on their hands. Give me a break. 152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have everyone with us. We're going to switch gears in the the 2 o'clock hour of the program. number of things I want to talk about with you, including a very, very popular retailer that now has a local presence getting all sorts of heat for changing their return policy. I'm talking about L.L. Bean, and if you're familiar and you ever bought anything from L.L. Bean, you know what their return policy was, and I'll tell you why they changed it. We're going to discuss that. Um, Joy Behar, you know who she is? She's this she's this anti, anti-Christian left-wing nut job who works for ABC News, she ends up uh, saying some interesting things about the vice president, Mike Pence, that if you said about pretty much anybody else, you would probably find yourself without a job. And, of course, um, ABC chooses to do nothing with her. You know, it is interesting. Um, we, we've got an election coming up uh, in 2000, in November of 2018. And one of the things that, that's being lost in the whole discussion about back in 2016, did Donald Trump collude with the Russians? And I, I think the more and more stuff that, that comes out is that, um, you know, this was the stuff that went on in the 2016 election might go down as one of the greatest dirty tricks in political history, you know, orchestrated by the Clinton campaign to try to manufacture an investigation into Donald Trump. Because candidly, I just don't think there's going to be any evidence that shows that the Trump campaign per se colluded with Russia to try to, I don't know, affect the results. Which isn't to say, though, that Russia wasn't out there trying to affect results. And there's no question in my mind that you have the Russian government that – obviously is trying to meddle around with U.S. elections. And I don't know if it's so much the idea that they're trying to infect voting machines. More likely, it's, again, with social media that's out there and the use of the Internet and the anonymity that comes with the Internet, I have no doubt that you have foreign governments, and it's probably not just Russia, out there trying to affect the results of elections. One of the things that I think is important moving forward is that all of us need to get past this idea of, Oh, well, we hate Donald Trump, so we're, we're looking for that smoking gun or the people who just simply say, well, okay, the people who are out to get Trump are nothing but Trump haters, and so they're, they're going to use everything they can to try to bring him down and focus on what to me is the larger issue moving forward, which is do you have Russian involvement in these elections, and is that going to potentially make a difference, and how do we stop it? That's what we need to focus on. We're not asking the right questions as of yet. Okay, coming up in the next hour, we pivot. 
Um, lots of interesting stuff. Stick around. It's 158. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 207, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Belinda, before you go away, let me yes, ask you this. Yes. Um, let's say you go out and you purchase a pair of shoes. Okay. All right? And you wear the shoes for, I don't know, a couple of years. And they, after a couple of years, they, they just start to deteriorate. They, you know, the heels kind of go down or whatever, and they just start to fall apart. Okay? With me on that? I'm with you. You have probably had that happen, you know, from time to time, maybe? Of course. All right. Let's say you've gotten, I don't know, two, three, four years of use out of the, the shoes. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like falling apart then. Do you think you should be able to take those shoes back to where you purchased them and say, hey, I want a refund or I want a replacement because these shoes fell apart? Not really. No, because no. You, you, you wore them. They, they were fine and they just wore out. Especially and if I wore them out. for four years. Yeah. I mean, everything has a life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So so you would not you would not expect that now it, it's one thing if you get the shoes home and within a week of buying them the heel comes off or you know the the stitching gives way or something then you'd think you could take them back, that right? That is different. Yes. Right. But you know, if you use it for a couple years and they're fine and they just kind of wear out, you would be cool with that. You think, "Hey, it's great. I got a couple years of wear out of these shoes." Mhm. Okay. Definitely. All right. Did someone try to return 4-year-old shoes? Oh, it gets better than that. Oh, my. It gets better than that. But I, I wanted Belinda Babnick, the voice of reason, to be leading off this topic. All right, this is where we start. L.L. Bean. Um, L.L. Bean is sort of like, I, I don't know, like Land's End or something like that. You know, L, um, you know, there, there's a couple others. L.L. Bean's been around since like 1912. And um, now there's a local store. It's out at the corners in Brookfield. But, but you know, they've had mail order stores as well. Um, L.L. Bean, which sells outdoor clothing, they sell boots and jackets and things like that. L.L. Bean has, since they started, they had a policy, a return policy, um, satisfaction guaranteed, and that they'll take stuff back, no questions asked. That that was their, their policy. They wanted you to be happy. They changed the policy last week because... This kind of fits into the category of, I like most people, I do, but every once in a while I hate people, Belinda, I, I just do, I just, because what they found was happening. So they had like this lifetime guarantee. You know, if you're unsatisfied with the products, we'll take them back. So what they found, though, is they found that they were having people who would bring back boots, for example, that they bought 12 years ago that had worn out. And they'd say, here, I'm not happy with these. Give them back. I I want new ones. It gets better. What they found also is people were um, going through yard sales, you know, and they'd find a pair of, they'd find a a shirt, you know, an L.L. Bean shirt. Or, you know, they have no receipts, no nothing. You know, they buy it for 15 cents or 25 cents at a yard sale. And then they go into the L.L. Bean store and they say, here. I, I want I want a refund for the shirt, or I want a a new shirt. I mean, the the the, the one of the the in this letter that was sent out, one of the the top managers, one of the top managers at L.O. Bean, he apparently donated a shirt. He gave a shirt that had his name on it to like Goodwill or something. Someone bought the shirt, probably for twenty five cents, brought it back to L.L. Bean. Demanding that you know they they wanted a full refund for the, the shirt, no receipt, no nothing. 
You're just looking. It's beyond ridiculous. Well, but it's going. It's been going on. You have people out there that were were doing that. You know, okay, I, I bought these 15 years ago. I want them replaced. Or again, I don't have a receipt. Who knows where they got it? You know, your guarantee is. You know, I'm not satisfied. This here, give me the money back. So they've been getting killed with people who have been at at least in the minds of many of us abusing this this return product. Uh, process. You know, you bring a pair of boots that you've been wearing for 10 years. Hey, the thing's worn out. I'm not satisfied. You know, give me a new one. So what's created all the controversy is last week they announced that they've they've changed th- their policy. And what they are saying is that, okay, here, here here's the deal. We have a new warranty, and we're going to limit returns to one year after the date of purchase. So, you know, if you're not satisfied within a year, you can bring it back. But after a year, you're out of luck. Also, you have to have a proof of purchase. You know, you have to show, heaven forbid, that you bought it. Because, like I say, they've got people that are going around to lawn, to, you know, like uh, lawn sales and estate sales and whatever and finding, you know, old L.L. Bean products and bringing them back and demanding new stuff in return. So their new policy is that, okay, um, again, returns only one year after the date of purchase, and you have to, heaven forbid, prove that you bought the thing at you know that you have to, that you're the one that bought the thing. All right. Now I bring this up because this change in policy has created a huge controversy and as always is the case, you have a lawyer that is involved. There has now been a class action lawsuit filed against LL Bean um, about the change in the policy. Um the lawsuit the guy who is the lawyer, uh, well, the, the lead plaintiff is represented by a Chicago lawyer, claims he's a loyal L.L. Bean customer, and all of his purchasers from the retailer were based on their previous policy of an unconditional satisfaction guarantee. He says you should not be able to change this policy. Um, your cover of your catalog says 100% satisfaction guarantee, no conditions, no end date, so you should not be able to change it. All right, and the lawyer wants to represent a national class of all customers who purchase goods from L.L. Bean before the policy changed on February 9th. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should L.L. Bean have the right to change its policy both prospectively, prospectively, meaning from, you know, February, whatever, but also do you have the right to change it to stuff that was purchased previously? Or should, if, again, somebody wears a pair of boots for 15 years and walks in and wants to change them, is L.L. Bean obligated to replace that? Now, they've done that in the past, but I think it's been because they didn't have too many problems with people abusing it. Now... They've just simply said, hey, look, we, we see that there's this subclass of people who are scamming us. And, and yes, if you've bought the pair of boots and you've gotten 10 years' worth of wear out of it or whatever, now I, you might not be satisfied with the way it is now, but you were satisfied for the last 10 years. All right, 414-799-1620. All right, does L.L. Bean, should they have the right to do it? Is it an unreasonable thing? And should you be able to make it retroactive? And does anybody really 
Um, I don't know. W- would anybody really say that, hey, I want to take something back um, a year after I purchased it? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, everybody loves L.L. Bean. It's, it's, the company's been in business for 100 years. One of the things that they've offered is, hey, unconditional guarantee. If you're not satisfied, bring it back. Well, what's happened is you have people who have been, in my opinion, abusing that. They've been bringing back stuff. They've worn something for 10 years. It's worn out. Now they bring it back and say, I'm not satisfied. Give me my money back or replace it. Or alternatively, people go to yard sales. They find an L.L. Bean product, and then they bring it in, and they say, hey, we're not satisfied this. We want a new one. So what L.L. Bean is saying is, okay, here's the rules moving forward. Sorry, you have to bring it back within a year, and, and you have to have a proof of purchase that you bought it from us. Um, to prevent this yard sales type of stuff. They're now getting a class action suit saying, well, you, you shouldn't be able to change this guarantee. I don't think that they've ever really should be obligated to, again, take back something that somebody's worn for 10 years and it's ended up wearing out. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I'm a big technical outdoor wears type of guy so I'll, I'll spend a lot of money on this stuff from like patagonia arcturix those mm-hmm. sorts of places you pay a lot for that stuff and you pay for it because they provide conditional guarantees and the key thing is it's for the lifetime of the product and it's also generally for the original owner ll bean i think made a big mistake from day one with how they did this they didn't charge enough for the guarantee and they really didn't think through what would happen so i mean i i personally think it's crazy that people would try to take advantage of this, but I, I still struggle with how they're going to be able to get out of the at least the existing users. Yeah, moving product. forward, I think it's clear. Moving forward, right. there's no... that. I, I guess the... I mean, I mean here, here's... Their, their guarantee is 100% satisfaction guarantee, no conditions, no end date. Right. I guess, so I don't you know, you think, that, you think that that should cover wear and te- normal wear and tear huh no i personally do not yeah. but but look what they said i think they did as a marketing gimmick big gimmick never expecting it and now it's coming back to bite them I mean, because people because some people are thing. because some people are terrible <laughs> you know? well right no yeah. i mean exactly and the products aren't i mean i like ll bean but sure. i don't buy them over places like patagonia or something like that they're just way superior product right and, and you pay more for it right. ll bean's not even charging enough for what they're offering as a guarantee let right. alone the way they wrote it, so right, I yeah, think it's it, a big mistake. Yeah, it's it, it it is amazing to me though that there's people out there. I mean, okay, if if I bought bought a pair of socks from LL Bean, and and I wore them for like six or seven years, and then I started to wear out holes in the heels or things like that, it would never occur to me to go back and say, hey, I've got this six year old pair of socks, and they've been great for six years, but I'm not satisfied now. Replace them. It just would never occur to me to do no, something like that. People are bo- a lot of people are bottom feeders, but yeah. I, I think though. <laughs> That's why you have the lifetime of the product clause. If you look at Patagonia or these other places, read them carefully. They have well-written warranties. And right. Hard to dispute them. Well, and of course, you know, the L.L. Bean one, I, I think this is what happened. You know, it, it's when their founder started it, like in 1912, that's what they ended up saying without right. necessarily thinking that you'd have people trolling yard sales, for goodness yeah. sakes, trying to find yeah. third-hand stuff. Thanks for the call, 414-799-1620. Kelly in Milwaukee. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Hi, um, I used to live out east, and we used to shop at L.L. Bean all the time. Right. And then we stopped because every time we went in in there, 
there was somebody returning something with no receipt. Someone actually returned a canoe one time <laughs> that they couldn't even find in their system, and the person would not leave until they got full retail price for an item that I don't think they ever sold. <sighs> and he got it. Yeah. And then another time, someone returned a, a shirt from Land's End, and it says no conditions, so that person kept focusing on that. And no conditions, no questions asked. And they gave them money for that, too. <laughs> so finally we stopped going because it was like, it was basically like going to a flea market or something and, right. you know, finding the higher, highest bidder. And it was like you'd stand in line for an hour arguing with this person that you know is lying right. or used something for 10 years and then it was like, oh, I want a new canoe. Right. So... Right, or, or yeah, just trying to scam the I system. I mean, this was hundreds of dollars. It's not just like a pair of socks or a pair of shoes. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, I mean, obviously this is becoming this huge national problem for L.L. Bean because at least some people are horrible human beings. And I, I guess I, 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 there's just no other way to describe it. I mean, if I... You know, if I wear a, if I wear a jacket, stuff wears out. If I wear a pair of pants for you know X number of years, I'm thrilled that I got that wear out of them. But you know, if the cuffs fray or whatever, I don't expect that I'm going to be able to return them and say, "Hey, I'm not satisfied anymore. I was satisfied for ten years, but I'm not now." Right, and even uh, items that you didn't buy there, it and of course they always they couldn't argue. They had a find right. something to do well and so it, w- it became just a pain to yeah, even go there yeah yeah thanks for call kelly and see and the unfortunate thing about this is this is it's a well-intentioned policy i, I mean I, I think the idea of what they're trying to say is look we want you to be happy we, we want you to be satisfied and, and we don't want to make you jump through unreasonable hoops if you're taking stuff back but of course then what happens is you have some of the what was the first caller's phrase bottom feeders that are out there who are looking to exploit situations and again like i say the, the, one of the one of the owners is like yeah i i gave this shirt to goodwill or i donated to charity or something it had my name on it and somebody bought it somewhere and is bringing it back and demanding like a completely new shirt on this one so i mean they're changing these different policies george in milwaukee george you're on wtmj hello Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. The first thing I would say is the fault of L.L. Bean for making a marketing tool of their return policy. I worked for a company, a T-shirt company, that had the same policy, and it sold a lot of T-shirts because of it. And, yes, every once in a while a person did return it after 25 years. So I still blame it on the company. I don't agree with people that are returning it, that buy it at, you know, thrift shops or whatever like that. Right. And the other thing that I would have to say is, you know, I think there's an easy fix to the whole thing is to honor that policy. But from this point forward, label somehow label their garments with some term like new policy return or something like that. And then they could enforce that. Well, yeah. Well, moving forward, they say you're going to need a proof of purchase because, I mean, my understanding is right now there's a lot people bring it in without any receipts at all. Hence the, hey, you know, folks are raiding yard sale stuff. Now you're going to need people that bought it prior to the new policy. Just mark it in the the product that says, you know, must have receipt to return within one year. Doesn't it make you hate people, though, that that you got this problem, that there's people out there that would do that? And businesses, too. Yeah. A little bit of both. 
accolades, you yeah. know? No, I got it. No, thanks to the call. Okay, uh, let's say our text line exploded. L.L. Bean, Dr. Martin Shoes, and a lot of others used to have that policy and ended it years ago thanks to the less-than-honest people that are out there. Another text. My wife worked at cold service. This is nothing new. People would bring back anything and everything without receipts and months, if not years, after the original purchase. Um, yeah, let's see. Here's another one. Uh, what's even more outrageous than the opportunistic behavior of some people who forced L.L. Bean to tighten up their generous return policy is the obnoxious attorney who was willing to start a class action suit. You know, I wouldn't I just wouldn't have the guts to associate myself with something like that. I'm not just talking about the lawyer. I'm talking about, okay, if I bought an item from from the store, in this case, L.L. Bean. I don't think I have anything from L.L. Bean. But if I bought something from that, I'd been satisfied with the product, and I'd gotten a few years of use out of it, I wouldn't have the guts to join that particular lawsuit saying, gee, if this wears out three or four years from now, now they're not going to take it back. Uh. But, of course, you've got lawyers out there willing to sue about almost anything. Remember the, gee, the Subway sandwiches, they say it's a foot long, but when they bake it, the bread shrinks a little bit, and it's not. Hmm. It's 227. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, coming up, interesting story. If you said this about anything other than Christianity, you would lose your job. But that's not what happens at ABC News. Stick around. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We have our winner of the Jackson Brown tickets. Another pair to give away tomorrow between noon and 3. Belinda Babnick, something going on in the roadways. Yeah, at 4145 northbound at Appleton Avenue, Jeff, the, an accident involving a truck is blocking a lane. We've got some slowdowns. Uh, 45 northbound, Zoo to Good Hope Road. That's a 22-minute drive. That's an 11-minute delay. This just popping up on my screen. And we will continue to keep you updated as the afternoon wears on. All right. Uh, Gru, who's producing the show. Do you know who Joy Behar is? Yeah, she's she's one of the kind of nasty lefties that they have on that awful show, The View. So here's here's what happens. And normally, you know, who, who cares what Joy Behar thinks? Okay, I, I I get all that, but every once in a while, there's some of these stories that say, "Wow, you know, this is this is what." You know, ABC puts on on the air. All right. So on, on Tuesday, they're, they're doing this segment on on the View, and they have this this Amorosa woman. You know, she was the woman who was, was on this like the the Apprentice, and was one of like the the ultimate like reality show villains. And she went to work for the Trump administration, and then she was let go. And so now now she's um, on. I'm embarrassed I even know this stuff. She, she's on, like, the Big Brother thing. And I, I, I haven't watched Big Brother since the first year. I, but she's on Big Brother. And so the story that was coming out is she's, she's like, talking on Big Brother about how awful Trump is and all these, these different types of things. So, okay, she's, she's making comments about um, Trump and Mike Pence. And apparently on the Celebrity Big Brother, she says something about how as bad as you think Trump is – you should be really worried about Pence. That would be the vice president, Mike Pence. Everyone that is wishing for an impeachment might want to reconsider their life. Um, and goes on to say, because Pence, Pence is the one you have to be worried about. So you might say, OK, well, what, what's going on here? And then apparently um, she says, look, um, I, this is Amorosa saying these things. 
I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But he thinks Jesus tells him things. All right. To which Joy Behar decides to wade in and she says, well, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness, if I'm not correct. Hearing voices. And then, you know, then they go on to laugh and start mocking him. Oh, you're mentally ill if you hear that. That's like hearing voices if you think, you know, God speaks to you. And uh, Mike Pence, actually, we were asking him about this yesterday. He's on C-SPAN. He says, look, I, I, look, my faith sustains me in all that I do. And um, candidly, I mean, I think what they did is they insulted the vast majority of American people who cherish faith, and it demonstrates how out of touch some of the mainstream media are with faith and values of the American people, that you could have a major network like ABC permit a forum for invective against religion like that. Now, I, I've been thinking uh, about this, and I, I, I don't know. You know. I don't know if God, I consider God speaking to me, but at the same time, as somebody who I think has a pretty decent set of core values and certainly um, believes in the religious component, I, I think we all have the, these little voices, whether you want to call it conscience or... I don't know whether you want to say it, it's 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 God or or whatever. We we all have these little voices that that do talk to us and that do say, okay, this is right and and this is wrong. I mean, you know, it's that 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 maybe it's that little voice that that right before you fall asleep at night, you know, tells you you know what what the right course is or, or something like that. I mean, I I would say it would be conscience necessarily. Maybe that's it. But but this idea that gee, Mike Pence who is very, very religious. Yes, he prays to God, and he thinks, yes, God does speak to him. Um, And I think what he's talking about, of course, is it informs his belief in God, um, informs, you know, how he goes about his, his his daily life. Now, this is being mocked on ABC as mental illness, you know, people who hear voices. So let's tee this up, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I particularly address this to, you know, those of you who consider yourself to be Christians. I mean, do, do, you, do you consider it to be a form of mental illness if you believe that, I don't know, there's some higher being who might inform some of your behavior and, and might, you know, help direct you in the course of your daily activities is to, you know, right or or even like the big picture things, what's right and wrong? I mean, God answers prayers. Is it mentally ill to believe that I don't know that that God is going to listen to you and that God might in fact speak to you? 4147991620 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Again, I I think for a lot of us, and I don't mean to be too metaphysical about this, I, I don't know, again, whether you want to call it God or conscience or, or whatever. I think there, there's a lot of us that do have that, that, have that little voice that, that says, that helps direct you and tells you what's right and what's wrong and what's the best course of action is. And, and, and yeah, if you want to attribute that to religion, I don't think that that's mental illness. And candidly, if you don't have that little voice talking to you, I think that, um, you know, actually, I, I think that that might be more of a cause of concern. So 
is Mike Pence mentally ill because he apparently says, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very religious and I, I speak to God and sometimes, you know, God speaks back. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but I think religious or not, there's a lot of us, all of us who have some sort of moral foundation and, and a sense of right and wrong. You, you have that. That voice, 414-799-1620. Um, you know, let's let's see. Let me take a quick break. We'll be back with your calls in just a minute. It's 242. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I will also say this. If you had an ABC commentator like a Joy Behar who went on television and, and let's say, addressed Muslims and said, hey, if, if you are a Muslim out there and you think God speaks to you, I think you're crazy. It is a form of mental illness. You are hearing voices. She would have been fired within the hour. But when it comes to Christianity, it's okay to mock that. That's what she does. It's like, oh, Mike Pence, you know, uh, pray, who's the vice president, very religious, prays to God and, and believes that, you know, God speaks to him. Um, okay, and again, whether it's God or conscience, who knows what, you can say that. You can trash Christians on ABC and, you know, nobody says anything about it, or at least that's fine. If you tried to do it, like I say, seriously about any other religion, this horrible woman would be out on her heels. 414-799-1620. Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I guess this one, this stuff gets me worked up as well because I'm just sick of all the Christian bashing that goes on nowadays. Uh, agreed. I, uh, my comment is I'm thankful for Joy Behar so we can have this conversation. <laughs> um, and as far as God speaking, I don't know that he speaks audibly, but, I mean, we see what he's saying through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, things yeah. around us, we see God speaking to us or sensing what it is that God wants us to know. Right, right. It, yeah, it's not necessarily hearing voices or things like that, but it, it's it's in all forms of life if you believe God is with you. And I guess that's, and again, I, I was using the term conscience, but yeah. No, thanks. I mean, there's there's all those different factors. Uh, let's see. Here's our text. Yes, Jeff God does God, does speak to people and gives them guidance in life. It's not mental illness. People don't study the Bible to get an understanding, but rather mock. Um, yeah. So, Jeff, so are they saying that the prophets in the Bible were mentally ill, or Joseph, who God who heard God tell him to flee Egypt with Jesus, uh, with Jesus, was mentally ill? Vice President Pence is more of a Christian than the women on the View. Well, of course. Absolutely, because, you know, these are people who hate, hate people who believe in God. Oh, how dare you say that? Well, that's just what the reality is. Let's talk to Roland in West Dallas. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was going to just uh, confirm what uh, you've kind of been saying in the previous caller, and that is really every Christian believes God speaks to him or her through the Bible. That's God's revelation. And uh, that's God's word to us. That's our guide. And we, in response, uh, speak back to God. We pray. Right. And uh, sometimes circumstances open up this way or that. And that's God showing us the way through the Spirit, like the previous caller said. But it is uh, basically through the Scriptures. And right. Yeah, it's not hearing voices in your head and that kind of thing. Uh, 
that we're talking about. Right, right. It it is that that belief that there is something larger than you out there, and that that kind of guides your your decision making and guides your actions and, and things like that. I mean, it's just uh, thanks to God. I appreciate. It. I mean, I don't want to get too spiritual and too metaphysical about this, but it. What what part of this conversation is, is just a demonstration of the complete and total ignorance that, that I think exists when it comes to people of faith. And what is so frustrating to me, again, is that, you know, Christians are easy targets. Joy Behar would not have gone on The View talking about a a Muslim politician or a Muslim figure you know, who talked about how religious they were and how they believed that God was in their life and said, well, you're, you're crazy. That this is It's a sign of mental illness. It's one thing to pray to God, but if you believe that God speaks to you, you're nuts, you're hearing voices. You would never have said that. But because, like I say, it's Christians, it's, it's fair game to do that. And, of course, you know, ABC, you know, ABC just tolerates this. This is the idea. It's okay. And, and see, and here's part of the problem again. And this is what happens with the Hollywood or the New York left, the media elite, the talking heads who, who don't understand mainstream America. Maybe it's fine to, okay, mock people who believe in God when you're at the cocktail parties in Hollywood or in New York City. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. That's good. You talk to, you know, your little circle and that's where you go. But then, you know, once you get out in the real world, you find that there is this sort of mainstream group of people that are out there who have a, a different sort of approach. And, and, and yes, you know, do are religious and do believe that there is a power greater than them out there and, you know, are willing to I- acknowledge that, yes, maybe God does speak to me. Maybe not in the way you necessarily hear, but, you know, boy, God speaking to you is now equated to mental illness, according to some of the liberal elites at ABC. Give me a break. All right. Before we bring in John McCure, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, actually two other things before the program ends. First of all, um, there is a trial going on in downtown Milwaukee involving a Brown Deer police officer who is a- accused of using unreasonable and excessive force in when she fired a shot at a person, a 350-pound man that was resisting arrest. That trial is going on. I've expressed my opinion on it a couple of times in very, very strong terms. Uh, we had a caller yesterday, Carl from Brown Deer, I believe, who said he was on the bus immediately before the situation happened. Um, Carl, if you're listening and you want to give us a call, we have, we'd like to talk to you about something off the air. That's number one. Number two, all right, President Trump got a lot of uh, – kudos from me when we got the tax cut legislation passed i mean i thought that was great i think it's going to be one of the things that is a signature thing that we have accomplished and that's that's great but you know whoever giveth sometimes taketh away yesterday president trump decided to try to persuade the republicans to raise the gas tax apparently um the federal gas tax has not been raised since 1993 he wants to currently it's about 18.4 cents a gallon. He wants to raise it not not to 20 cents a gallon, not to 25 cents a gallon. He wants to raise it 25 cents to 43 cents a gallon. This this gas tax raise if it went through would generate 
$394 billion. So, in other words, we're, we're going to raise the taxes. We're going to generate all this revenue. All right. That, remember the tax cut we got and the legislation they passed? Well, if you raise the gas tax 25 cents a gallon, say goodbye to that tax cut. I think this idea is a non-starter, but we will see. All right, it is 2.53. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure and Melissa Barkley and Greg Matzik have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.